Hi, Journey. How y'all doing today? May the fourth be with you. Some of you still don't get it. We are measuring up. It's okay. It's bad, I know. Really bad. We are measuring up to the 80s. We're talking about what a win looks like for us as a church family. Last week, what did we talk about? Three words cross the line. Uh, There will be a test on this, right? And they're going to stack, and there's going to be six of them. So a few weeks from now, there's going to be a whole six, and it is past fail, in case you're wondering. We talked about crossing the line, right? It's a win for us. Anytime anybody steps across the line of faith in Jesus Christ, yields their heart and life to him. Today is all about get the rhythm. Say that with me. Get the rhythm meaning we hear from God and respond to him in obedience. Anytime God speaks, we just want to be people who say, yes, God, whatever you say. And in that vein, you should, well, listen to this song. Stand in the place where you live. Think about direction, wonder why you where you live wonder why you haven't if you are confused check with the sun carry a compass to help you along your feet are going to be on the ground your head is there to move you around so stand in the place where you live think about direction wonder Where you are 
That was awesome, guys. Thanks. You can't talk about the 80s without talking about a little REM, can you? It's just not possible. And see, there's not a single thing that you can do as a follower of Jesus Christ, or even for that matter, as a seeker of Jesus Christ. If you're just someone who maybe is exploring faith, there's not a thing you can do that will help you stand in your faith in Jesus more than getting the rhythm of hearing and responding to God. Hearing God's voice and responding. There's nothing more powerful than knowing that you've heard from God, that you're standing on what you heard from him, you're standing on him as you walk out his instruction in obedience. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. It is so vital that we stand on what God's saying to us as we grow in our relationship with him. When I was 16 years old, I had my career site set on being a commercial airline pilot. When my youth pastor asked me really casually one night after our high school Bible study, he said, hey, Brian, you want to help lead and disciple junior high students? And I was like, whoa. Because you see, about all I knew about junior high students was that I used to be one and that I was really, really glad that I wasn't one anymore. Those were like terrible years for me, like one word for my junior high years, awkward. That was me. And I thought, well, what's it going to hurt? I'm not sure I have much to offer those students, but because you, my friend, my youth pastor, guy who respect, asked me, it was like, because you say so, I will, kind of a thing. And so I said yes. And I'll never, ever forget, as long as I live, being a junior in high school, I was in 11th grade, and I was teaching the parable of Jesus, the parable of the sower that Jesus talks about. And I have these eight 7th grade boys in this little office in this church building, and it was terrible. Like, it was absolutely terrible. It wasn't polished, it wasn't good. I bumbled and I fumbled. But when we were all done, I looked into the eyes of these eight seventh grade boys and I saw them get it. Like I saw like they got, and they didn't get it because of anything I said. They got it because they heard from God. They, they got it. What it meant for them to scatter seeds of the gospel with their lives, with their words. They got what the kingdom of God investment looks like and how that kind of investment in the kingdom of God will have a hundredfold return. And I saw that look in their eyes. I saw them get it and I was like, I'm, I'm hooked. And as I walked out to my car from that little terrible gathering that night, I heard God say, that, Brian, is what you're meant to give your life to. That's what you're meant to give your life to. And then a little more than 14 years ago, a colleague told me how I needed to meet her niece. And I like totally poo-pooed it, you know. I was trying to escape the embarrassment of being set up by someone. I, I was going like, what, do I look desperate or something? And so just to get this woman off my case, I sent this girl named Dana an email, December 30th, 1999. And then when she and I met in person three months later, I again heard the unmistakable voice of God say, that's her, that's your wife. And I'm like, well, duh, have you seen her? Duh. Six months after that, we were Brian and Dana Hopkins. Then almost a decade ago, God started to nudge me and Dana about leaving the church that we were a part of in Billings, moving to Bozeman, to launch a brand new church that would help lost people be found, help found people be grown, help lonely people be enfolded into redemptive community, help sick people on the road to wellness and all. Our dream was a church that would be mobilized, all of us together on the mission of Jesus Christ, being the church in the Gallatin Valley. Out of that nudge, that prompting, this community, this church was born. And then just about six years ago, I was sitting in a little tiny orphanage in the extreme south of Ethiopia, 
talking with some folks there about what Journey was gonna do to help alleviate suffering, what we were gonna do to help bring hope to the people of Ethiopia. When out of the corner, I'm talking to these people out of the corner of my eye, I see these three kids over there, off over there doing their own thing. And I approached them, I spent a couple of hours with them, two of them in particular. I walked out of the gates of that orphanage, I slid into the back seat of a tiny car, and on our way back to the hotel, I heard the unmistakable voice of God say, those three kids are gonna be a part of your family. Whoa, where'd that come from? And 10 months later, those kids were home with us, bearing the last name Hopkins. And lots and lots of people have stories about how they've heard God speak in a series of quite unplanned moments, maybe some of you even, and as a result, their life, those people's lives, maybe some of your lives, took a course that you never could have imagined it taking before you heard God speak. But this idea, this concept of getting the rhythm, hearing from God, responding to his voice, can be one of the very most confusing aspects of faith in Jesus Christ, can it? And so here's the question that I hope all of us are asking. How do I experience hearing from God and responding to his voice? How do I personally experience it? I don't want to just hear stories about other people hearing from God. and I want to experience it for myself, and that's quite a familiar challenge to lots and lots of people. Some of you sat here and you heard me tick off those different times when I heard from God. I use the language of hearing from God pretty easily, right? The Lord told me to do this. The Lord spoke to me about this. God put this burden on my heart. God showed me this. It's natural and easy for some people. You might know people like that. Maybe you are some of those people. And then there's people who love God incredibly deeply, who follow God passionately, who are incredibly deeply committed to him, and who simply never find themselves having that kind of experience. And so hearing someone talk naturally and easily about hearing from God causes some people to wonder, like, am I doing something wrong? Is there some secret recipe that I don't know about? Am I off base? Brian, are you and other people just like making stuff up? Are you just throwing stuff out there and kind of seeing what sticks? And then if it sticks, then you go, well, God's, no, yeah. But here's the deal. I believe to the core of my being that it is entirely possible for every single follower of Jesus Christ to get the rhythm. I believe that it is entire, uh, entirely possible for every single follower of Jesus Christ to learn to hear and respond to God. And I think it's about the most important piece of what it is to know and follow Jesus that there is, which is why we're gonna spend considerable time talking about it together today. And so to do that, to talk about what it looks like to get the rhythm, to hear and respond to God, to stand in our faith to stand upon everything that God is saying. I wanna go back to one of my all-time favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's this fantastic story about this little boy named Samuel, and it's gonna help us, I think, hear from God about hearing from God, help us get the rhythm, and see that hearing from God, responding to his voice is something that actually can be learned. It's not just left to those people. So let's pick up the story, 1 Samuel chapter three, starting in verse one. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, check this out. This is fascinating to me. Messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. I don't know exactly what was going on then. I don't know everything on the spiritual landscape then then that led to this being the case. In those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. Visions were quite uncommon. I don't know everything that was happening. But the author is certain to include that in the text. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the 
ark of God. That's quite a place to sleep, isn't it? Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and he went, ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And Eli, you know, he, he was asleep. He's an old, old guy, you know. He's snoring away, and here comes this little kid traipsing into his room. What? What do you, what do you want? And Eli says, I, I, I didn't call you. It wasn't me. You woke me up, jerk. Don't you I go back to bed? Go back to bed, he said. So Samuel did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Eli's going, I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Now check this out. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. That's quite an insight. So the Lord called a third time, and once more, Samuel got up. Where'd he go? He went to Eli. Yes, absolutely. Here I am. Did you call me? Eli's going, good night. I just want to get some sleep here. And Eli was a little slow on the uptake, wasn't he? Then Eli realized, like this light bulb goes on, that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. That is a fantastic story. It's especially fantastic because we're witnessing the beginning, the very beginning of Samuel getting the rhythm. That's when everything started for him. He began to hear from God and have a chance to respond to his voice. And you notice something about that. It's that God was speaking to Samuel, right? You're like, duh, obviously God was speaking to Samuel. And Samuel knew very well, check this out, that he was being addressed and he didn't have any idea that it was God who was doing the addressing of him. Samuel actually had to learn to attune his ear to God's voice. Samuel actually had to learn to recognize that God was speaking to him. And so that means something for us, and it means this, that it's very, very possible for God to speak to people, all people for that matter. It's actually very probable even that God speaks to people, all people. And for those people, for us, for you and me, to know that there's something absolutely going on, hearing something but not knowing it's God, which means something else for us. Think, think about this. John Ortberg and Dallas Willard, they write a lot about this. Really fantastic stuff and they write about everything that it is to communicate because this is quite miraculous thing that we're able to do. We take the communication thing quite for granted because it's just part of life and yeah, we all communicate. We can communicate. Cool. We don't think about it very often. But when you boil the issue of communication all down, you know what it really is at its very core is it's someone directing someone else's thoughts. That's what communication is. It's someone directing someone else's thoughts. Anytime anybody's communicating with you, they're simply, or not so simply as the case may be, causing you to think thoughts that you would not otherwise be thinking. Were they not causing you to think those thoughts? Now, absolutely, those thoughts going on in your head, they're absolutely your thoughts, but they're being prompted by someone else. That's communication at its core. And this is where I think Willard and Ortberg's writing gets really interesting. Because, see, we're finite creatures, we have to use finite, very finite means to guide each other's 
thoughts. So what do we do? Or we make sounds, right? It's the very thing that I'm doing right now. And because you're sitting here, you're sitting here listening to me, you might be having thoughts that you would not otherwise have if you weren't sitting here listening to me. Some of you are sitting there thinking, I wonder when he will be all finished. Wouldn't that be nice? It really is this this quite incredible deal. Here's another angle on the issue of communication. Somebody writes symbols down on paper. People look at those symbols. Those symbols prompt thoughts in us. What's that called? Reading and writing. That's exactly right. That's writing and reading. That's what it is to read. Symbols on paper causing thoughts that we would not otherwise think. So we're finite creatures, right? We have to use finite means to guide each other's thoughts, to communicate one with another. But check this out. God is not finite, is he? Quite the opposite. God is infinite, actually. So what's that mean for him and communication? It means that he's able to direct our thoughts. He's able to communicate with you and me very, very directly. Without using sounds, he doesn't have to use sounds. Without using symbols, he doesn't have to use symbols. He can. He often does, as a matter of fact. One of the ways God often speaks to people is through his word, the scriptures, the Bible. But he's not just constrained to that method of speaking and communicating. Because he's God, he has direct access to our minds. Which means that God can simply guide our thoughts without using any means at all. And you know what that means. It's the very thing that lots and lots of people who follow Jesus struggle with, that God can direct a thought in your mind, but you might not know that it's God doing that. And that's the very thing that happened to the young boy Samuel. He didn't know that it was God speaking to him. And so what happened? Eli came alongside of him, middle of the night. Eli comes alongside this really, really teachable moment and begins to help. Samuel get the rhythm. Eli helped Samuel hear and respond to God speaking. And Samuel got it really, really well. Samuel stood from that moment forward on every single thing that God ever said to him. And he responded in the affirmative. He obeyed God. And he had quite this powerful ministry in the Lord as a result of it. And here's what happens sometimes. Here's how it often goes for me. Often God's spirit will prompt you or me, with an idea, right? That ever happened to you? God's spirit prompts you with an idea. A thought that didn't originate in you strikes you, and around journey, we actually have a word for that. What, what is that word? Right, you're going along, let's see if you recognize this. You're going along through life. Here you are walking along, and what happens? What's the word? You have a kairos, right? This kairos moment. This moment in time where the sovereign and supreme God of the universe breaks in and then we draw the circle oftentimes. This is called the learning circle. Lots and lots of you are familiar with it. But it's this whole idea that God speaks. God breaks in. We're bebopping along, living life in the kingdom of this world and then all of a sudden, bam! God shows up and he speaks. And he says to do something, right? Maybe it's a nudge to write someone a note. Maybe it's the nudge to call someone. Maybe it's the nudge to invite somebody over for dinner. Maybe it's the nudge to ask somebody what they meant when they said something about faith and you realize that was quite an open door and how could you follow up on that? Maybe it's something related 
to going and serving someone in need. Maybe it's the nudge to challenge someone who's going very much down a wrong path. Maybe it's the nudge to go sit with someone who is incredibly, well, there's this whole range of things that God speaks when he shows up in those kairos moments, God's voice breaking in. I was with a friend this week and we got to have breakfast together and he told me about how a few years ago he and his wife were prompted to introduce themselves to a woman sitting behind them in church one Saturday night. They simply turned around, recognized that they hadn't, they recognized that they didn't recognize her and they simply asked a question, how long have you been a part of our church? She made it about three words into the answer to that question and she just piled up. She started weeping like uncontrollable sobs of grief. And, and these two people are like standing there like, oh my gosh, this woman is breaking down in front of almost total strangers. Now my friends, something you should know about them is they're pretty attuned to these Kairos moments and so they got all kinds of lights and whistles going off, right? Like ding, 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 ding. I think this is a God breaking in moment right here, right? This is a prompting from God if there ever was a prompting from God. So they got her some Kleenex, they helped get her calmed down, they invited her for a cup of coffee, not like two weeks from now, but like then, right then, they went to a little cafe and they said, what's going on? And that woman sat in that cafe and told her story about how her husband of seven years had just like that up and left her. No signs whatsoever. He just came home from work one day and said, I don't love you, I'm out of here. He packed up his stuff and was gone, poof, just like that. That, just that morning, before he left for work, he said, honey, I love you, I'll see you at the end of the day. And when he came home, it was like, I'm done, out of here. And she was devastated. Husband of seven years, just gone. She had no idea what else to do. And so she walked into a worship experience and her whole life was eternally altered because someone took a moment to pay attention, to hear from God and respond to him. The nudge to turn around and talk to her. Listen to everything that she was carrying. Connect her with other followers of Jesus Christ who could help her right in the spot where she was. And she was changed. She was different. Life looked different for her. And here's the deal. When God speaks, anytime he nudges you, when those thoughts come to you, the main thing is not at all to have like a Kairos party. That's not the idea, right? Some people, they hear from God and they're like, whoa, God's speaking to me, this is cool. And they get confetti and they get those noisemakers, and they, right, put on hats. That's not the idea, at all because you see there's all these other stops i'm not going to take the time to draw all these out but there's like six stops all around the circle they're all important but you want to know the one that really really matters is this one right here hear from god and act hear from god and do something don't just sit there don't just say, whoa, look at me. Aren't I something? God's speaking to me. And I think this is a significant caution for us as we work hard as a church to get the rhythm. And here's the caution. Making the hearing from God, making the God speaking deal all about us. That's the caution for us. To stop and go, whoa, aren't I something? God's speaking to me. God's telling me to I must really be a privileged person. God's speaking to me. God's breaking into my life. And some people, and they're not bad people. 
Some people, though, instead of just getting right over to the act side of the equation, they want to like make a camp spot where God spoke, and they just want to hang out there and sit by the fire and go, whoa, this is so cool. God speaking to me. Eugene Peterson, he said it like this. We've all met a certain type of spiritual person. She's, and you could substitute the word he's, it doesn't really matter. She's a wonderful person. She loves the Lord. She prays and reads the Bible all the time, but all she thinks about is herself. She's not a selfish person, but she's always at the center of everything she's doing. How can I witness better? How can I do this better? How can I take care of this person's problem better? It's me, 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 disguised in a way that's difficult to see because of her her spiritual talk quite disarms us. Whoa. And see, it's really, really easy to start out following Jesus with our focus entirely on him, right? We just look at the cross and we're like, wow, Jesus, I'm so grateful that you you died for me. You loved me so much that you died for me. And then you loved me so much that you rose from the grave on that first Easter. It's really easy to start out in this place where our faith in him is all about him and all he did. And then suddenly, almost like a frog in a kettle, our focus creeps onto how I'm doing at following him. How am I doing? It's like navel gazing, right? How am I doing at following him? What do I look like to others as I follow him? How smart do I sound as I talk about following him? And like in a hurry, if we're not careful, we can arrive in this place where we care way more about hearing from God than responding to what he's saying to us. And here's the deal. The whole reason that God shows up and speaks to to us is so that his kingdom can move through your life. Now, he can do it without you. He he doesn't need you. He sure wants to use you and me and all of us. But the whole goal of him speaking is so that his kingdom comes like through our lives and around our lives and behind our lives and in front of our lives. It's his kingdom coming through all of us, which is why we want to move from God speaking to doing like that fast and I'm not discounting all these other steps they're important and they matter they're quite crucial as I'll talk about in a few minutes but the very most important thing is doing what God asks us to do obeying him obeying him and there's a couple of litmus tests to help us know whether we're really hearing from God in a kairos this is kind of the elephant in the room isn't it because we we've all read headlines of like crazy people doing crazy, terrible things and then blaming God for it, right? God told me to kill those people. No, he didn't. And so how do we know that it's really God? Well, see, because the scripture is one of the most consistent ways that we ever hear from God, here's the deal. The Lord is never going to lead somebody in a direction that's contrary to his teachings. God is quite on record in a whole bunch of things it's written down symbols on paper we can all read it we can all interact with it and he's never ever going to speak in a way that is contrary to the teaching of scriptures sometimes you'll hear somebody this may have happened to you and they'll say god must really want me to go down this road and you hear it and you know the bible and so you're like whoa no 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 you're like no not even close that is the total opposite of what God would ever, where he would want you to go or how he would want you to go and all of this. God does not want you to go down that road because God never, ever contradicts himself. Ever. And then when God speaks, his kairos, 
his breaking, his inbreakings to us, they're usually quite in line with the gifts he's given us. I think maybe somebody, they look at this fantastic band up here and they're like, wow, that's so cool. I want to get in on that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a worship leader and so, but they have a terrible voice and the only instrument they play is the flutophone. <laughs> right? Like, ah, that's probably not God's leading. Because you really have to keep coming back to this question, is this kairos, is it all about God or is it all about me? Is it all about God or is it all about me? And if it's just about some grand plan for personal fulfillment, if it's not about serving, if it's not moving us more and more towards servanthood, it's really likely that it isn't God speaking. You have really good reason to question what it is that you perceive God to be saying. But when a kairos is consistent with scripture, when it meshes with, you want another grid? Just take the fruits of the spirit. Does what God's saying mesh with the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self. Does it mesh with all of that? And if it meshes, if it moves you in the direction of servanthood, then like say, yeah, like shout yes, go, yes, now I'm in. Yes, God, because you say so, I will. And then just one last thing for you about this whole idea of getting the rhythm and then we'll finish. Getting the rhythm for anybody should not ever be a subjective, individualistic trump card that we use to manipulate and connive so that I get my way. That ever happened to you? Somebody plays the God said card and like try to argue with that, right? It doesn't go very good. And sometimes it plays out like this. Sometimes people, usually young men, Young Christian men, cool guys, they'll sometimes say to a cute, unsuspecting Christian girl something like this. Walk up to them and say, God told me that you're the person I'm supposed to marry. And young ladies, I'm going to, like, no charge for this, but I'm going to give you your answer. Right, now, this is free. Ladies, if this ever happens to you, your very best response is to say to the young man, Would you please tell God to tell me that? And when he does, I'll call you. (laughs) Right, last night I had some guys come up to me and they're like, that was my best pickup line. You just ruined it. Sorry. And so journey for us, as we're learning to more and more get the rhythm of hearing and responding to God's voice, let's not ever be that kind of people. Let's not ever be that kind of people. If we think that an idea came from God, let's not say God told me to get other people to do what we want them to do because here's the deal. If an idea is really from God, guess what? It's gonna be a really good idea. God's idea won't need you to like beef it up The quality of the idea alone will convince other people. Let me say it this way. God's ideas will stand all by themselves. Doesn't need your help. We don't need to embellish it. We don't need to hype it. We don't need to sell it. Something else is that God generally speaks in and through the community. Right, meaning that he's going to be really likely talking to more than just you about that. God told me, like that's nobody's trump card. Nobody's trump card. Like I told you a few minutes ago, I have 
not the full picture of everything that was going on back in Eli and Samuel's day, such that the author of the book of Samuel records that sentence. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. I don't have the full spiritual landscape of everything that was happening back then. What I do know, though, is that God is speaking to this very day. God is speaking really, really likely to you, talking to you about stuff, breaking in to your lives, my life, all of our lives. And when he does, when he does speak, we have this incredible opportunity to get the rhythm, to respond to him, to obey him, And when we do obey him, when we step out in great faith and say, okay, God, because you say so, I will, then the world has a chance to be changed. And people have a chance for the trajectory of their lives to be forever and eternally altered. And he's doing it with you and with me. He's speaking and he's calling and he's tapping us on the shoulder and he's nudging and he's whispering in your ear. And that is part of the adventure. That is part of the journey of what it means and what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He's speaking. Are you hearing and are you responding to him in obedience? Are you getting the rhythm? Take your stuff and set it aside if you would. I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads, move into a posture of prayer and listening to the Lord. I'm just going to pray for all of us now. And God, I just want to say on behalf of every single one of us, would you help us please get the rhythm? Would you help us please hear your voice and respond in obedience? We want to be like little Samuel was. who said, God, here I am, your servant, and I'm all ears. God, I'm listening. And then let us also be like Samuel on the obedience side of the equation. Because as soon as he was done listening, he went and did what God told him to do. God, we wanna be just like that. Make us like Samuel. And God, I have no doubt in a room like this that you've been speaking lots of stuff to lots and lots of people. And some of us, doubtless, find ourselves in very, very interesting places about what it is that you're saying to us. Some of us, we just haven't even heard it. God, we want you to help us hear it, please. Get our full, undivided attention, please, God. For crying out loud, write it on the wall if you have to, God. You've done it before. 
We want to hear you. And then God, there's others of us who we've heard and we've just said, ah, that's hard. (laughs) I don't really want to do that. That's too risky. I don't know what the outcome would be. (coughs) Seems like the stakes might be way too high. So some of us, God, we've doubtless been ignoring you, trying to just shove you off. And God, I pray that you would persist for us to have that conversation, to go and serve that person, to go love that person, to go give that gift. To God, that you wouldn't let us off the hook. That we would be people who fully embrace what it is that you're saying to us and what it is that you're asking us to do. No matter the price. Because frankly, God, for us, no price is too high to obey you. No cost is too great. When we consider everything that you did for us, we just say, how can I not God, help us please get the rhythm.